Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. I'm a senior director at CFGI, and this is the show where we dig deeper to understand what really matters most in business. Today, I'm really super excited to have a special guest with me today. I've got a guest who has written this book, Woman's Guide to Claiming Space, Stand Tall, Raise Your Voice, Be Heard. Please welcome Eliza Van Court to Behind the Numbers. Eliza, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. That's my pleasure. Tell us a little bit about the book. What is it about? Uh, the book is about how women can claim space. And claiming space, quite simply, although it's very hard to achieve, is simply living the life of your choosing unapologetically and bravely. And there are five different ways that you can do that with big ideas in the five sections and then lots of little bits of advice in between. You know, So the book is really a how-to but the five ideas are the big ideas of the book. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of these ideas, some of the big ones, some of the more nuanced ones. Uh, hopefully, we can get in a lot of a lot of different aspects of it. But before we do, what inspired you to write the book? It's it's a complex story, Dave. Um, the the Cliff Notes version is that I was hit in the head with a car while riding my bike. Um, and I actually lost my ability to remember and largely lost a lot of my ability to communicate. And I had to build my communication back brick by brick by brick. And when I don't understand something, I research. I have a very interesting background. I have a political science background and an arts background, and I'm all about learning. So I researched and I read and I watched people and I just figured out how to claim space. And I started thinking, okay, how? what is it that makes a woman really strong and really powerful? And I kind of came up with these five general ideas. And then I started doing these talks and women would follow me. This sounds unrelated, it's not. Women would follow me to the bathroom after my talks. <laughs> And they would sidle up to me and say, okay, there's something that I wanted to know about that you didn't cover in the talk. Uh, can I ask a question? And I thought, what if you took these conversations in the bathroom, out of the bathroom, and into the sunlight? How amazing would that be? And that was sort of where the book was born. Yeah, so that would have been an interesting title. Um, how hard did you actually consider <laughs> I, I that? I kind of like it a lot. <laughs> Right. Well, let's jump in. So you, you defined what claiming space is at the, at the beginning of the program here, but is it all about physical space, Eliza, or is there something more to that? No, no, definitely not. And in fact, actually, that's what I was looking for at first. I was looking for that magic bullet, that thing that would help me regain who I was before. And I realized, unfortunately, just as in life, nothing is that simple. <laughs> things are much more complex. So it wasn't just five thing, one thing, it was five things. And the first is communication. So it's physicality and voice. And that's where my theatrical background comes in. In fact, uh, for those who are watching, uh, these are the signatures of my students when when they graduate from my program, they sign the door. So, um, I and there are other doors full of signatures as well, which I absolutely love. So that is part of what I what I learned. But the other part was that there are also four other aspects, and if you'd like, I can go into them for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the first one is claim space with your voice and body, as you said, with your physicality. Um, the second one is 
claiming space together, claiming space connected. And I really have a different approach to networking, including who don't you let into your network, for example, anti-mentors. The third one is never seed space. And a lot of times we have this baggage that causes us to seed space and how not to do that, such as imposter syndrome. The next is claiming space, never letting anyone impinge upon your space. So that's things, oops, <laughs> that's things like microaggressions, sexual harassment, uh, even words that would silence women. And the final one is claiming space intersectionally. And what I mean by that is making sure you're not claiming space just for people in your own group, which historically, unfortunately, the feminist movement has been all about white feminism and what works for white women. And I found that the women who were really powerful and really successful claim space with all different kinds of women. I have to ask you, what is an (laughs) anti-mentor? It's interesting. When people read the book, 99% of them really latch on to the anti-mentor, and I think that's because, unfortunately, we all have them. Uh, To put it in shorthand, for those of us who are old enough to read the peanuts, the anti-mentor is Lucy when she holds the football. (laughs) And Charlie Brown's booking toward that football, going, this time Lucy's going to be nice to me, I know it. And Lucy's like, I totally am. And then she pulls the football and he's on his back. So the anti-mentor is that person in your life who, by all rights, should be really supportive, whether they're your long-term boss or your uncle or your parent or your coach. And they are the very people who cut you down. And the reason they attract, they are able to do this is because they do something called intermittent reinforcement, which is, you know, they make you feel good, they make you feel good, they make you feel good, but then they make, don't make you feel good for a very long time. And then you keep waiting for that little moment where they will make you feel good again. And you kind of live for that instead of going to your cheerleaders who are the people who really see you because they see you as your best self. Yeah. So Eliza, before we jump into the, some of the, de- uh, the details of the book, I just want to ask you a question on behalf of the guys who are watching and listening because the book is <laughs> called A Woman's Guide. Um, tell me, to please tell them why they should continue to watch and listen. I think I know the answer, but I want you to let them know that there's something in this for them too. Um, well, you know, I've been asked this question a lot. And I guess the first thing I would say, and most importantly, is if I knew there was a book about what dudes talked about in the bathroom or the locker room, I would buy that book. I would buy that book because <laughs> I would want to know. And because there are things about your experience I can't understand. And that makes my life a little more mysterious. And I don't like mysteries. I like to know what's going on. So that's the first thing. Uh, and, you know, if you care about women and helping us all rise, because I do believe when we rise together, we rise so much higher. If you have a sister or a mother or a daughter or you you are the leader of women, hopefully you have some women on your team, uh, you want to understand what our experience is because when you understand something, you can better attack any issues that might arise. So true. So true. Let's let's start to dive into this a little bit deeper then. Uh, so I went through the book and I, I jotted down some notes and some topics that I thought might be um, more interesting than not. If I'm off the mark, by all means, redirect me. But I want <laughs> to start with... It's all interesting, Dave. What do you mean? <laughs> I want to start with disconnecting from people who would make you small. Talk about that, yes. please. Well, I mean, that does have a lot to do with the anti-mentors. Uh, and there are, the, within the group of anti-mentors, there is the, there's another group, which is the inner circle snipers. These are the people who are closest to you. 
And they are what I call emotional snipers. So those are the people who, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever been talking to someone and you walk away and you say, why do I feel bad? <laughs> you know, you can't quite tell. It's sort of like when you're, you know, you're in the middle of this big town and this sniper hits your back and you're like, why am I bleeding? I wasn't looking in that direction. I don't get it. Um, and so these are the people who know you really well. And there's a great saying, which is, of course, your parents push your buttons. They installed them, which I love. Um, so that. it's similar to the the IS, ICSs, as I call them, which is, of course, your inner circle snipers push your buttons. They often were with you when you were very small and they installed them. And the more usually what we do is instead of saying, no, these aren't going to be a part of the, my network. I'm going to be really careful with these folks. We literally and I'm a superhero nerd. You're going to just just, you know, work with me. But it's like you're in the Justice League and they're at the head of the table and you give them a bullhorn. <laughs> and why do we give the person a bullhorn who is the most negative in our life? And that is so often the case. Yeah, so true. Uh, Eliza, we're coming up on a commercial break here. Uh, but before we do, I want to ask you, um, how can folks who are watching and listening get in contact with you if they want to learn more about you, if they want to learn how to get the book, where can they get that? What's mm -hmm. the best way to do that? Um, I always feel like, uh, um, what is it, the, those old television commercials that go on forever? I guess they still exist, but many of us just click past them. But what you can do if you want to contact me is go to my website at elizavancourt.com. There is no U in court. Everybody always puts a U in there. No U. Um, and actually, we do have a really amazing community of people who are out there working to claim space. And it's interactive. And I'm so excited about it. So definitely check out the website. And you can also contact me on LinkedIn. I, uh, I'm still able to just able to keep up with people when they contact me and ask me questions. And it's one of my favorite things and I never want to lose that. So if you contact me on LinkedIn, you have a question or a comment, or you got the book and you want to share something with me, I will get back to you. It will take me a while, but I will get back to you. So I love that connection. And if you want to buy the book, I recommend local bookstores as I'm really a fan of smaller businesses. And when you buy local, usually if you buy one book, they think, oh, 20 more people will want this book. So you're multiplying your effect. Um, but it's, it's sold anywhere books are sold. I mean, you can go on Amazon or wherever and, and buy it. Sounds good. That's a great spot for us to take a quick pause. Let us go pay some bills and we will come right back and behind the numbers. Don't go anywhere. with BCAT was really entertaining and enlightening. We were able to put together some very specific steps that we as individuals can take and it was really fun to all come together and see sort of where we're going as a team and how we can all get there together. We had a 
tremendous experience with the BCAP partners. One of the challenges that we have as an organization is to make sure that we have the right people in the right chairs doing the right thing. To do that well, you have to have synergy. You can try to dream up ways to make sure that your group does that, or you can rely on experts. We would recommend BCAP partners to anybody who's looking to take their organization to the next level. Welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today my guest is Eliza Van Court, who is the author of this book, A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space. Eliza, we've got a lot of ground to cover here in the second segment, so let's just dive right in. Uh, one of the topics I wanted to get you to speak on here is when you talk about the need to be right will cause you to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that means. Well, you know, one fifth of this book is about issues of race. And uh, it's interesting because I wrote it before the George Floyd tragedy. And a lot of people said to me, why are you writing about race? This is a book about women. <laughs> and I, I said, well, because indeed, not all women are white. It's amazing how that works. So, you know, some of the issues that I don't deal with as a white woman are paramount to my uh, black and brown sisters. So it was very, very important for me to hit that topic. And on my journey on race, one of the things that I have found and the research has found is that if you think if you can be good, then you're not racist. If you're a good person, you're not racist. If you're a bad person, then you're racist. Then what happens is if you do something racist, which we all will do by accident, just like we'll do something sexist, just like I'll do something ageist or whatever, you know, we will then say, well, if I did that thing, I'm I'm wrong. And that means I'm bad. So I couldn't have done that thing. So we're going to start blaming the other person or denying or making up excuses as opposed to saying, you know, in as in every aspect of life, every aspect, we are always messing up. That is how we learn. And we're not bad. The only reason that we're bad is if we just walk away from the lesson. So instead of thinking I'm good or I'm bad, just I'm a human and I'm going to learn from this experience and I don't need to get defensive when one of my friends says, you know, that wasn't cool of you. And the example that I will give is years ago, one of my dear friends who's actually an expert on talking to white people about race, uh, and she has a PhD in education, the intersection of education and race, and she's brilliant, Dr. Nia Nunn, um, was talking to me, and we were hanging out with a bunch of friends talking about race, and I said something really insensitive, and one of our other friends said to me, <laughs> I got to stop you because you're being really white right now. <laughs> That wasn't cool. And I said, wait, 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 what, what, what? No, 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 no. Let me explain. Let me explain. No, that's not. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, no, I would never. I would never. That's not what I meant. And she said, now you're being even whiter. Just when I'm telling you about my experience, all I need from you is to just be quiet and listen. You don't need to feel bad. I just want you to hear what I have to say. And I thought, oh, you mean all that defensiveness is about me. It's about making me feel better as opposed to just being uncomfortable and thinking, okay, so tell me what I, what happened and I want to learn how to do it differently. Yeah. Deep conversation there. And speaking of deep yeah. conversation, I'm, I'm going to open up a, a, a can here that, um, we don't typically talk about on behind the numbers, but it's a reality and we're going to keep this real in the context of what we're talking about here with claiming space. Mm -hmm. And that's harassment. It happens. Um, you know, we all take harassment training, 
uh, but mm-hmm. it happens. Uh, talk about harassment, Eliza. Well, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it takes many forms. And what I talk about in my book is that when people go into a scale, uh, into a room, and I think everyone does this, it's just that different people have different scales. But women, people of color, we put ourselves on what I call the safety scale. And on one side is complete physical danger. And the other is complete emotional safety. And we don't know we're doing it, but we're doing it. And we put ourselves on that scale. And then we figure, we often get reactive. So we go, oh, whoa, this is scary. And we don't really know what to do. And we, we cannot necessarily respond well. If most people don't spend much of their lives on either extreme, we spend our life navigating the squishy middle and trying to move it his, this way. Now, of course, people of color do sometimes deal with dire physical danger, um, and sometimes white people do as well. Um, but it's rare for all of us, thank God, um, unless you're in a you know a completely different situation that we don't need to go into because it's out of the scope of this situation. Um, but once you put yourself on that scale, what you want to learn how to do as women is say, okay. I'm feeling a little unsafe here because I'm realizing that this dude, we'll call him Chad, well, this dude, Chad, you know, he is always just a little inappropriate with me. And it's real, it's happening, and I prepare for it and see what I can do if I can shut it down. Or I talk to an ally or I talk to a boss. So much of the time, there are so many little microaggressions that happen to women, particularly women of color, that we actually just push it away and push it away and push it away until it escalates to a point where it's really bad. And so I think that's the the first thing is for women to really start to recognize where we are on the scale and then find the tools and be prepared to deal with it. And then the second thing is making sure that as men, I mean, this is where men can really do the work, is there are things that can make someone uncomfortable that might not seem uncomfortable to you, but that are actually quite uncomfortable to the woman. And that's where the need to write can, and to be right can cause you to do wrong. Be open when someone says, listen, that wasn't cool to say, okay, why? Help me explain so I don't do it. Help me understand so I don't do it again. Yeah, and we all need to call that out when we hear it and witness it. Eliza, how can people contact you and connect with you if they want to learn more, maybe invite you to come speak? Yeah, so uh, you can go to elizavancourt.com. And you can also catch me on LinkedIn. That's another great way to reach me. Sounds good. Uh, you alluded to the idea of, of a leadership technique here that I want to dive into, and that's the creating the safe space for all. Uh, this mm-hmm. isn't just women. This is men. This is everyone. Uh, and we have about five minutes to go in, in the program here. Uh, what advice can you offer for those in leadership roles on how they can create space, create a safe space for everyone? Right. You know, the most important thing, I think, and there is a section on this in my book, but I want to share the most important thing because I think this is so critical, is there is an expectation in the workplace that we want to be nice and we want to keep it comfortable. But the problem with that is usually niceness and comfort is because we're perpetuating what is. And often what is isn't working. So being okay with discomfort and actually not getting someone in trouble if they say, you know, that wasn't cool, and letting yourself be uncomfortable and not think that's a big violation. Because the people who are comfortable are the people who everything's going well for. 
The people who are not comfortable are the people who things are not going well for. And if they have to keep everyone comfortable, you're basically saying keep it the same. And so being okay with this comfort, I think, and making space for conversation that might not feel comfortable, but which will cause a great deal of learning is the first step to creating a safe space for everybody. Yeah. Eliza, in, in maybe just a minute, I want to try and sneak in one more thing uh, because I, I think that finding your compass is important for everybody. Can you, can you do that in 60 seconds? I can. I will just say that I am a mom, and one of the most important things I can say to people, because finding your compass starts with being a parent, so this is the easiest first step, which is don't tell kids to kiss Uncle Bob. And what I mean by that is when you're, you say, go kiss Uncle Bob, and the kid says, no, 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 say, okay. Because by saying, it doesn't matter what you want to do with your body, you're going to do it anyway. That's the first step that kids of all ages have when they lose their gut and their instinct and they lose their compass. Don't make kids kiss Uncle Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well said. And on that note, we are out of time. Eliza, thank you so much for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and your press tour to visit with us today. Thanks for sharing. So for everyone watching and listening, thank you for joining us in Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And please do hit the subscribe button so that you can stay in contact with us and know what we're up to. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time on Behind the Numbers.